a word of warning. Love Song contains spoilers for Wolf Song and Raven Song. Love Song, Part 1. Written by T.J. Clune. Read by Kurt Graves. When she dreams these days, it's always in shades of blue. She's in an endless forest. The trees stretch toward the starry sky. She feels the cool grass beneath her bare feet. The moon is bright. It's full, of course. She's not alone. She can't see him, but she knows he's there. She hears him breathe. She turns her head to look for him, but there's nothing but a flash of white disappearing into the woods. When she wakes, her face is wet. The first time he makes her laugh is when he tells her he thinks she's pretty. She laughs at him. It isn't cruel. She's shocked. It's startled out of her and she can't stop it, even if she tries. He's not hurt by it. He laughs, too, blushing as he looks away. When she's pregnant with their first, he turns into a possessive asshole. He growls low in his throat at anyone who touches her belly. When she's had enough, she smacks him upside the head and tells him to knock it off. He blinks in surprise, the orange light fading in his eyes. Sorry, he says, sounding sheepish. I don't know why I do that. She takes his hand and presses it against her stomach. For a moment, nothing happens. She winces when she feels him kick. Carter, she's already thinking. Carter, Carter, Carter. But any discomfort falls away at the look on his face. He's awestruck. When death comes for them, it's swift and brutal. She's in the Bennett pack, yes, and she's the mate to a future alpha. But she is a mother first, and her instincts are to protect her unborn child. She kills that day. She takes the lives of at least six people who have come to their territory with anger in their hearts and bullets of silver. The first is a large man, standing above a dead wolf, one of the little cousins. He doesn't see her coming. Her jaws close around his neck and she twists, the bones cracking under her fangs. The last person she kills is a woman. She raises her gun toward the once and future king. She doesn't get a chance to pull the trigger. There isn't much left of her by the time Elizabeth Bennet finishes. When all that's left is smoke and memory, she feels it. All that they've lost. It's Richard Collins who notices first. She doesn't understand him. She never has. There's always been something off. But Thomas laughed and told her she was seeing things. When her mate howls, there's a change in the cadence, and that's when it hits her. Thomas Bennett looks at her with blood-red eyes. Carter comes, and there's pain, bright and glassy. It's real, 
and she feels it with a primal satisfaction as it tears through her. This is her pain. This belongs to her, and no one can take it away. She relishes in it as sweat drips from her brow. They're few now, their pack. But she hears them whispering in her head. And it's love and strength and yes, yes, yes. And with a cry of relief that sounds like a song, a boy comes into the world. The first, but not the last. They're making a mistake. She knows they are. She tells Thomas as much. How can we do this to him? She asks. How can this be all right? Thomas rubs a hand over his face. He's tired. He's got bags under his eyes and a few days worth of stubble on his cheeks. He was always going to be the Alpha, but it happened much sooner than anyone would have expected. She thinks he would give it all up just to have their pack again. He's a good man, but right now she doesn't understand him. We have to keep him safe, he says, with that familiar stubborn set to his jaw that she loves and despises in equal measure. It'll be better for him if he stays here. The wolves, they don't trust the humans, especially this human. They think... They think Robert did something to him, to his tattoos, a fail-safe just in case. You can fight for him, she says. He's not like his father. If you do this, you will put him on the path that you'll regret in time. She's never been demure. She's seen other mates to Alphas, subservient and quiet. That was never her. If Thomas asked that of her, demanded her silence, she would tear him limb from limb. But she's going to lose this one. And what's worse is that she's going to follow him. She doesn't know what that makes them. Doesn't know what that makes her. I know that, Thomas says, sounding tired. But they don't. And I have a duty, Lizzie, an obligation. My father, he shakes his head. I am the alpha of all. I don't have a choice. She wants to tell him he does. He could give it up, let someone else worry about the fate of the wolves. She wants to tell him they can't do this. They can't break apart their pack. Not after everything. But she doesn't. And she will regret it for the rest of her life. This is going to destroy Mark, she says quietly. He'll never agree. Thomas's eyes flare red. He will. I am his alpha. He'll do what I tell him to. And then he'll never forgive you. The redness disappears, and all she feels is blue. It's an ocean of sorrow and she knows how much this is hurting him. It's still no excuse. I know, he says, but I have no other choice. She loves him, but she thinks he's a liar. Kelly is 
different. He's quieter. He comes early, and it's over quicker than she expects. There's pain, but it's not like it was with Carter. He doesn't cry. She thinks something is wrong. But he's breathing and blinking up at her as he's placed in her arms. Hello, she says. Hello, my little child. With Joe, things change. She can't quite tell how she knows, but even in the womb, it's not like it was with Carter and Kelly. There's a sense of something more. She feels guilty about thinking that way, and it's not until she speaks with Thomas that she understands. Alpha, he says simply. I think this one is meant to be the Alpha. Richard thinks so too. And oh God, that terrifies her. When Joe is returned to them, he doesn't speak. His eyes are vacant, and he doesn't respond. She doesn't know what to do. She hates Richard for what he's done. She hates Thomas for allowing it to happen. She hates the wolves in this place. It's not home. Maine was never going to be home. And now, one of her sons is hollowed out and dark. She thinks about taking them and running far, far away. She doesn't. She kisses his cheeks, the tip of his nose, his chin. Carter and Kelly curl around him. But it's like he's gone. She doesn't know how to get him back. It's all candy canes and pine cones, epic and awesome. It's boom and rawr. It's a strange boy named Ox. She doesn't know what to make of him. She loves him, though, almost right away. And for that reason alone, she wants to keep him away. Death, she thinks, as she listens to her son speak for the first time since he was returned to them, always comes for the wolves. And when Joe comes to her, when he says he wants to give Ox his stone wolf, she agrees, knowing how manipulative it will be. Ox doesn't know the truth. He doesn't know what it means. But her son is speaking, and his eyes have life in them, so much life that she can't deny him anything. She doesn't sleep much that night. She starts painting again. It's angry at first, savage, harsh lines and slashes of color. It doesn't feel like enough. She doesn't tell them where she's going. They're distracted. All the kids are in school. Mark and Thomas are on conference calls in the office. She walks into town. The forest smells like it always has. The dirt road crunches under her feet. She thinks of what she'll say, of what she'll do. She doesn't know how he'll react. Gordos, the sign says. She smiles to herself. There's no one at the front desk. She rings the bell and waits. It's discordant the first time she sees him. He's not like he was. He's harder. She thinks he hates her. 
and she deserves it. His tattoos flash. Gordo, she says, and it surprised her when her voice cracks. His eyes darken. What the fuck are you doing here? She says, I'm sorry for all that we did to you. Fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. She nods. Joe, he... Thomas already told me. I said no. She says, Thomas never took another witch. They asked. They begged. He told them no. He told them he already had a witch. It's unfair of her to do this, to say this. It's calculating, and she can see the moment it lands. His expression stutters before he looks at her coldly. I don't care. It was wrong, she says, and she wants to touch him, to take his face in her hands and smooth out the angry lines. What we did to you. We were young and scared. You're only saying this because you need me to help out with Joe, he snaps at her. Where were you before this? Years, Elizabeth. It's been years. So many times, she says. So many times I picked up the phone, wanting to hear your voice, but I... He laughs, and it's the bitterest sound she's ever heard. But you didn't. Out of sight, out of mind. Yes, that's exactly what it was. And the truth hurts. We made mistakes. Fuck you. And fuck your mistakes. She doesn't know this man. This furious man. She doesn't know him. And it's all her fault. Mark. Don't. He snarls at her. Don't you say his name. She blinks as she takes a step back. I'm sorry. I just... She shakes her head. I love you. I don't expect you to believe me, and I understand why you wouldn't. But I love you, Gordo. I do. He laughs, and oh, the hatred she hears in his voice. It's like poison. Yeah, you sure showed me just how much you loved me. All you did. She turns to leave, not wanting him to see her cry. She stops when he says, Ox. She swallows thickly, looking out the front of the shop to the street. He says, Leave him out of this. I think it's already too late, she whispers. Already got your claws in him, Gordo says in a dead voice. Of course you did. Wolves ruin everything they touch. I won't let you do that to him. She doesn't look back. In the end, though, he comes. She wonders why. She doesn't know if she'd do the same if she were in his position. Joe is trapped in his shift. Not quite boy, not quite wolf. And Gordo comes. She's a wolf, and her instincts have kicked into overdrive. 
She snarls at him. He rolls his eyes. Thomas says, Ox. He needs ox. Gordo's shoulders sag in defeat. Later, she'll find out he told the boy that it's real. That monsters are real. That it's all real. He's right, of course. Elizabeth knows monsters. Maggie Calloway is a wonderful woman. She's fierce and smart and stronger than she gives herself credit for. When they meet for the first time, Elizabeth understands then just how someone like Ox can exist. It's because of his mother. And they grow to be friends, Maggie and Elizabeth. She hasn't had a woman as a friend in a long time. It's nice having someone like her. Someone who doesn't quite realize Elizabeth is essentially a queen. It's easier that way. When she finds out they're wolves, Maggie is shocked. But it only lasts for a day or two. She comes to the house one day not long after. They sit at the kitchen table, sunlight coming in through the window. It's just the two of them. Elizabeth relishes this contact, is hungry for it. Maggie says, He's part of this, isn't he? Elizabeth nods slowly. I think so. Maggie curls her hands around her mug of tea. He's special. I know. A mother always thinks that about her child. But it's more than that with Ox. She looks away. His father never thought so. His father was wrong. Maggie nods. Why? Do you know? Does Thomas? No, they don't. But it's there all the same. She reaches out and touches Maggie's wrist. She's not quite pack. Not yet, at least. Not like Ox is. But Elizabeth can't ignore instinct. She's pleased with her scent being on this wonderful woman. He's going to do great things, your ox. Maggie smiles. It trembles to the point of breaking. He doesn't hear that enough. I try to make him understand. She hesitates. Then, Ox tells me you're a painter. Elizabeth blinks. I am. Maggie seems shy when she says, That's so nice. Do you think, do you think I could see? I don't know anything about art, but I know pretty things when I see them. They spend the rest of the day together. When Maggie is murdered in their territory, Elizabeth is close to tearing the world apart. It's quick when it happens. One moment she's snarling, her tail twitching, her teeth stained with omega blood. And the next, it breaks within her like glass, the shards embedded in her skin. Her breath leaves her body like she's been kicked in the stomach. She takes a stumbling step forward, her wolf mind thinking, no, and mate, and Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. She runs faster than she's ever run before. 
but she's too late. Joe is on his knees, his head tilted back. His eyes are filled with fire. He is the Alpha, which means... They come from far away. Michelle Hughes doesn't. Elizabeth is thankful for that. She doesn't know what she'd do if Michelle showed her face in Green Creek. She's jumbled up with Osmond and Richard Collins in Elizabeth's mind. And even if that's not fair, that's how it is. She is the wolf mother. Those who come to pay their respects are in awe of her. She accepts their condolences. They touch her hand and her shoulders. She's barely able to keep from recoiling. They leave her be, before, alone, with him. Thomas has been bathed, the blood washed away. His skin is pale. She says, How could you leave me like this? She says, I hate you, she says. Oh, 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 she says. We were young once, and you were smiling. I remember that. Your eyes were wide, and you said you had something to offer me. I knew what it was, and even though I was scared, I knew it was right, that I would say yes because there was no one else for me. There never has been. And you... You left me here. Why? He doesn't answer. He can't. He's gone. 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 She closes her eyes, trying to find him, trying to search along the bonds that stretch between them all. If he's there, even the smallest part of him, she would know, especially in this place. It's different here, stronger, more powerful. Her mother told her when she was a child that all those who leave are never truly gone. But she can't find him. There's a ragged, gaping hole where he should be. He burns in the forest at night. The wolves sing their songs for the fallen king. Hers is an aria of blue. This has been Love Song Part 1. Written by T.J. Clune. Read by Kurt Graves. The complete text of Love Song is available at tjclunebooks.com. The audiobook of Wolf Song, book one in the Green Creek series, written by T.J. Clune, is available on iTunes, Audible, and through Dream Spinner Press. Gordo Livingstone never forgot the lessons carved into his skin. Hardened by the betrayal of a pack who left him behind, he sought solace in a garage in his tiny mountain town, vowing never again to involve himself in the affairs of wolves. 
it should have been enough. And it was until the wolves came back, and with them, Mark Bennett. In the end, they faced the beast together as a pack, and won. Now, a year later, Gordo has found himself once again the witch of the Bennett pack. Green Creek has settled after the death of Richard Collins, and Gordo constantly struggles to ignore Mark and the song that howls between them. But time is running out. Something is coming. And this time, it's crawling from within. Some bonds, no matter how strong, were made to be broken. Raven Song, the audiobook. Available November 2018.